Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Cam, your host of the Lancaster Golf Performance Podcast. This week on the show, we had our good friend Brendan Leonard on. Brendan is a former Detroit Mercy player in the NCAA from 2010 to 2014 and turned pro and then won the 2018 Canadian Cup Championship. And most recently this year in 2020, he was number one money leader for the Toronto Players Tour. So Brendan shared his story and what it took for him to really take his game to the next level where he was consistently shooting a 66 to a 67. I think there's really a lot you can learn from this because Brendan was not a natural, one of those natural players who started at the age of five or six. He started golf at the age of 14 after leaving hockey. Really made a quick splash on the Ontario and Canadian scene in amateur golf and then turned pro after that. So what this episode is really about is we're talking a lot about game habits, things that you can actionably do to lower your score. So it's a little bit less about technique and more about you know, playing smart golf and playing golf to shoot your lowest scores. We just want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. Whatever platform you're listening on, please leave a review or a rating. We really appreciate all the support. So guys, me and Brendan are going to be hosting an online coaching series. We're still trying to figure out how many weeks it's going to be. We're thinking probably in the four to six week range. It's all going to be hosted on Zoom. So wherever you are in the world, you can take part in this program. So email us at LancasterGolfAcademy at gmail.com if you'd like to be a part of it. Or you can just DM us on Instagram at LancasterGolfPerformance. So me and Brendan are putting together a series based upon core strategy, biomechanics, golf fitness, optimization, and then short games. So there's really a lot that you can get out of it. It's really all the techniques that we have used through our competitive years and with our students to really ensure that you know you can shoot your best scores. So again, this program is really based around the lessons that we have learned from players and we have learned from our own games. So it really comes from professional golf at its grassroots. So without further ado, here's Brendan Leonard. Enjoy the show. Bad shots in there, but at the end of the day, like we're all human and you still need to go out. We're playing a game at the end of the day, right? So you, you, I, I would kind of say that I was taking those mistakes and go straight. And instead of going straight to the reins, I'd just be like, okay, instead of thinking swing, what did I do wrong there? Did I, what, where did I put the ball? Why was the ball, you know, why am I short side? Why am I making double there? When, mm-hmm. Whereas there's 25 feet right of the pin and I'm missing it on you know, the left side of the green and it's all working away for me. And, you know, you hit it 30 feet and make double. So I think for me, that was, that's something that I found this year really helped. Whereas like, I felt like I could shoot 67 every day because I've been doing the right things instead of just trying to aim at every pin, make birdie, hit driver. Like this year, I probably hit the most two irons I've ever hit in my life because I'd rather go two iron, seven iron than drive it down into a 15 yard gap and have you know, a wedge in, or maybe I hit a bad driver and it's out of play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, no, that's interesting, man. Like you, you seem, you seem to be like a guy, like just looking at your swing. I remember even seeing your swing as a junior golfer, like you were kind of naturally a ball striker. Right. Or was there like, was there a time where you weren't and then you had to work your way into being that? Um, no, I, I mean, I've always been, I've always been a good ball striker, but at the same time that came from like, I only started playing when I was 14. So yeah. Yeah. I, was I grinded till, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I grinded till I was like, you know, 21 there, but I would hit balls for seven hours a day. And it wasn't more, it wasn't necessarily like trying to put my swing or put, you know, the club into certain positions. It was more, how do I feel myself hitting the same shot over and over and over and over? Like when you asked, what am I trying to work on hit? And I said, hitting it straighter, like 
that's always my goal is just to try and to me, my straight shot one day might be a five yard draw or it might be a one yard draw or an eight yard draw, but it's the same shot over and over and over. You know what I mean? Interesting. So you started uh, like when you were 14 years old, like, uh, and you, you said, I, I was listening to Russell's podcast and uh, he was say, or you were saying that like you played hockey before. So do you feel like that um, athleticism kind of helped you build into that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still remember actually when I went to go see Ralph Bauer when I was like 17. And I mean, I didn't really know much. I was well behind and I was just trying to catch up as fast as I could. I was kind of, you know, humble and never really said much. But then when I saw him, he was like, wow, you have a very athletic golf swing. And that was like the first time I heard that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I it, it left me for a while. And then these last, you know, couple of years, I've just been trying to think like, instead of trying to be so mechanical and so almost manipulating the club in positions, why don't we get out there and try and act like an athlete? Like, mm-hmm. you know, especially with putting, like that was my biggest problem. I was always trying to ha- have this like perfect role and it's like, no one has a perfect role. So I'm always like trying to, you know, mess with my putting stroke or do things differently. And now it's like, I get up there and I need to start thinking about where the ball needs to start and the speed and that's it like get your get your spot and that's it like and I learned that from Russell too like if you've ever if you ever play with Russell like Russell walks up to every putt has his spot like one foot or one foot in front of the ball looks at it looks at it looks at it and hits and he's one of the best putters I know Hmm. so for me I was thinking like instead of trying to you know do everything so mechanically why don't we go out there and you know Michael Jordan's hitting a clutch free throw he's not thinking about his wrist angle and the release and the pattern he's thinking okay how do I do this I've done it a hundred times pick my spot look my target and do it yeah yeah and just in terms of what you said before about like you know being an athlete I think like when you when you just think in that in that frame like you probably think about using your lower body more like you're thinking less about a wrist angle like you're trying to you know you're trying to make a make an actual pass at the ball as opposed to trying to steer it right because I find I find like working on your swing, I've really learned this lately that the only way you can really, in my mind, change your motor pattern is by actually like getting away from hitting balls and just like drilling, like drilling, drilling, drilling. And then it comes and then you come back to your swing and it seems to show up, but like, like trying to like actually manipulate your swing into something, it just seems to be like a a quick way to ruin confidence. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I would always approach it in the way of like, okay, you know, feel your left arm straight, or I'm just going to hit a hundred balls, feel my left arm straight, but maybe it's better to actually go like even visualize your left arm going straight or just trying to rep it like, you know, in your backyard, you know, without actually hitting balls and just feeling a straight left arm. Right. Like, so I I've been finding that pretty interesting as of late, but another thing too, I just think like athleticism is, is really underrated in the golf swing. Like if I were to say, you know, what should you change first? should it be the swing or, or the athlete? And I think it's always going to be the athlete, right? Like how can you get stronger? And that's something that I never really, you know, I, you probably remember me growing up playing, I wasn't really a, an athletic guy, right? I was just like, you know, and, and that, that definitely set me back and, and yep. see the guys who were the top guys and they, they usually came, it's not like they trained for golf, but they, you know, they played four different sports and they happened to pick golf and they were already an athlete. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, that's like one of the things that's just so, I don't know, I don't know the, uh, so many people don't understand like the importance of, like I talk to people and it's like, like I'm sitting down with uh, Luke Moser, Keaton Jones and Austin Ryan, all good players last night we were having dinner. And I was like, who here does hip stretches? 
And Luke was the only one that was like, yeah, I actually do hip stretches. And I looked at the other two. I'm like, I spend 30 minutes a day stretching. And that's something I learned from Doobie. And it was like so important. Like to me, I can't go out there and play the same way every day if I don't prepare the same way. Like if I just roll up and go to the course and just start banging balls, it's not right. Like it's not, it's not going to go right. But yeah. if I can get into a routine where I have my hip stretches for, I don't know, eight minutes and then I do my back legs and then everything else i know that when i get to the when i get to the range i'm going to be the same way every time whereas you know maybe you sleep differently one day if you if you're not a stretcher and you get out there and something feels a little different a little tighter constricts you and your whole day could be off Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, i think being an athlete being having the flexibility is very important yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like, and I think a lot of golfers are tricked into thinking that, you know, golf's not a sport, so they, they might not train, right? So uh, now when you're in the season, like, are you, are you just stretching and then golfing or is it like stretching and weightlifting? Like, how do you, how do you usually schedule that? Uh, I honestly, honestly, I don't do a whole lot of lifting in during the season. I mean, I get, I get my, I can hit it, you know, 290, 300. And I think for me, right now that's perfect but if i want to you know my goal maybe i want 10 more yards over the winter mm-hmm. then i'll implement my weight training and that and then i can kind of ease into it throughout next season but yeah i think it's um it's definitely important to to have and i i, I think if you don't hit the ball to at least 290 i don't think you have a, a chance of playing on web and i think mm-hmm. luckily when i first like i was saying to russell when i first turned pro i was so lucky that because in mini tour golf it's so weird there's like there's groups of people who love to act like they don't care i guess is the best way to say it like they act like they can just get by on just natural and you know they can drink every day and not do it but then if you follow right guys like there's no it's 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 no question that richard's playing on the japan tour because richard did the right things like he so i was lucky enough to fall under doobie and richard who made or at least were trying to at the time build their game to like a web.com level game okay yeah so i think i think that if if you're doing it like you have to do it the right way and and that's that's why i think again when like we were talking about um before that like you have to there's certain there's certain things that you have to do at the pro level i th- i think unless i mean there's, there's not many guys on tour that hit a 260 that can play with those guys on tour right yeah you I gotta like even look at webb simpson i think he's you know he, he would be called one of the shorter hitters out there on the pga tour and he's still averaging over 300 yards with yeah. his driver, right and that's the average so and yeah and he can do that that same little weird move over and over and over again Mm-hmm. And if you're a guy that hits a 275 and you can't hit it 275 and hit the same shot every single time, you're not going to beat Rory. You're not going to beat Brooks. You're not going to beat like Bryson who's hitting, you know, 350. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think everyone has to find it in a different way, right? Like some people might have that gap where they're super stiff and need to just work on flexibility for a year. Others yeah. need to get, like for me, I, I'm realizing like I've been on kind of two different weight loss journeys in the last seven, eight years. Like one, when I was 17, I lost 60 pounds. And then a couple of years ago, I lost 40 pounds. And like, when you lose all that weight, you also lose muscle. So I'm just like, 
like I have to pound it to get it 290, 295, right? So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. if I want to actually like swing within my shoes, like I got to get stronger in the lower, especially the lower body, I find. Exactly. The, to me, the lower body is so underrated with generating power in the golf swing. Like it's the only thing that connects us to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so what do you feel like are, are those, like to play at a competitive level, uh, even if it's high level amateur or high level junior, like, what do you feel like are those things you know, if you want to consistently being in the top 10, like if you can name three or four of them. Um, I mean, I, obviously there's no one for me. I knew that this year, like I had to improve my putting. And if, I mean, if you don't, if you don't putt well, you're just, you're never going to win. So like I was, I was always so adamant at, okay, I'm going to go on the range and just beat balls, beat balls. And now it's like, I'll go to the golf course and I'll sit on the putting green for five hours every single day mm -hmm. because I know that that, that is a hundred percent the most important thing. And then for like, yeah, like those high level amateurs, a hundred percent, I think is just being able to have full control every single swing from, you know, your knees to your quads, to your core. I like when I'm playing well, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about my spine and I'm just thinking about rotating around it while keeping myself you know strong on my legs which i think is the most important thing and something that i've worked hard at is keeping you know lower body strength and keeping stability like i use those uh i don't know if you use them those little like discs um oh are they like uh you put them on like a slippery floor uh yeah like those balance discs so okay for yeah. me that's that's something that i do for 15 20 minutes a day or if i don't do it for a day or if i take a week off that's like the first thing I need to get back on. So I'll just do full swings with that. Not, not hitting balls and I'll hit a few balls and then I'll hit balls at 40%, 50%, 60% because I feel like one of the most important things in golf is being able to have stability in your lower body, upper body, and then having face control with that. Mm. Yeah. If you can control the face, like a guy like Russell, like we played with Russell yesterday, hits at what, maybe 265, but he understands that if, he can hold that face through on that angle every single time at different speeds. He's going to hit the same shot with different flights, different trajectories and different yardages. Yeah. Yeah. Controlling the face is big. I actually, so I saw Ralph Bauer, he put up a post a few weeks ago about hands. He had this device he used for strengthening your hand. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So for the last three weeks, I've been, I, I bought this hand gripper. I, I don't even know the name of it. It's just like a yeah. simple, uh, like hand strengthener. I've just been like, going off on that with my left hand just on and on and on again and just my left hand and i just found like i haven't done any strength training but i get out there and i can control my face so much easier and i'm not mm -hmm. the type of guy to go and hit 14 15 greens around and i'm only you know probably played 10 or 11 times this year but i was able to hit 13 greens and it just it came from just me being able to you know control that face when my body gets out of position yeah and i i think that's uh that's one of the the most important things and then I just don't think enough people understand. Like I, I was explaining to um, this kid was messaging. His name is Nicholas Marchese. I think his name is. I don't know exactly sure how to say his last name. He's in college and he was just asking me for advice. And he said he's playing well, but he can't score. And I think that always, not always, but usually correlates to people not understanding how the golf hole is made. I like, I, to me this year, I started to look at every golf hole and play it backwards and think, okay, someone designed this golf hole. How did they want you to play it? Because I play with all these guys and it's just like, okay, I only hit driver. I rip dog everywhere. And it's like, that's just not, that's not it. Like you see it on TV. Everyone loves seeing guys hit drivers on TV, but 
it's just not the play. And I, I, I just see so many people just do the dumbest stuff, like going for a pin that's in a back right and they miss it right. And it's just like you are just dead there. You're not getting it up and down and you're making bogey. Whereas if you can hit it, I like to do like uh, field goal posts. So I, my first field goal post would be on the pin. My second one would be, you know, maybe 15 yards left. And I squeeze it somewhere in there, making sure that whatever flight I'm using, if it's a cut, I'm starting on the left field goal post and it'll work towards the right. Or if it's a draw, it'll start on the right or maybe just inside it and work left. Okay, cool. So you're never really picking a specific target. It's more just a lane way you're trying to hit. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, if I'm on, when because when I feel like I'm on, I can go at every single pin. But I, for the most part, like that's, that to me is super, super important because you're never going to hit unless you're, like I said, unless you're on, but if you're off, you're going to have your misses. But if you know that you're going to put your misses in a bad spot, like let's, let's say again, that there's a back right pin, but if you miss it on the left side of the green, you've got an easy chip and you've got all the green in the world to work with. And I think that for me this year was like the most important thing because I'd hit my odd bad shot and then I just make par. I keep it rolling. Whereas I think so many people are so focused on making birdies where the rounds you shoot 63, 64, 65 come from not making bogeys. Yeah. And making those bogeys too. I heard another uh, quote from Tom Kite and he said that the different, like the difference between good golfers and, and great golfers is great golfers never make a mistake twice in a row. So I would define like a mistake as either a bad swing or a bad decision. So, you know, you're going to make bad decisions out there. You're going to make bad swings, but what do you do on the next one? Right. Mm -hmm. I always found that that was something that I would consistently do. And, and that's an easy to easy thing to make because you, you, you make one bad decision or, uh, you know, one bad swing and it, and you're an emotional player, then that's that next swing is probably going to be an emotional decision or emotional, emotional shot. Yeah. hundred percent. Because and I, I was the worst for that. As soon as I would find like hit a bad shot or make a bad, maybe I'd make a double, like I would just like blow up and freak out and act like it was the end of the world. Mm. And it's like, you have to have so much discipline in this game to be like, okay, you know what, whatever, we made a double, we're human, it's going to happen. We need to move forward and let's go birdie the next two. And that was kind of like, I did a lot of reading and trying to change my mentality and the way that I went about things. Cause I mean, I won't lie to you. I act a lot of the times I act like a child when I just, when I would do stupid stuff and you eventually have to just look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, enough is enough. No one on tour is doing this. How do we go about it the right way? And that's really what I worked very hard on this year. And it felt so much easier towards the end of the year and still does. Like, it's amazing that how, when you change your mindset, how much different you can play and how much, how much happy you are on the golf course. Yeah. It allows you to enjoy it. I think that's, and that's a big thing that a lot of competitive golfers don't do. Um, Mike and my older brother, Mike, like he, there was an interesting thing he said to me, like I asked him recently again, I've probably asked him this a few times, like what was the difference when you won your NCAA tournament by 10 shots? And he said that like, you know, I was feeling all the same things that I typically feel when I play around the golf, you know, feeling nerves, feeling anger over bad shots, but he was just consistently uh, you know, taking any negative, cause there's an, always a stream of negative thoughts that are constantly coming in. And he just said he would take that negative thought and, and just use it as motivation and just constantly the word he uses reframe. So everything that came in like, Oh, you know, there's a bunker, right. Or, uh, you know, there's someone watching him feeling nervous or whatever, whatever negative, mm -hmm. coming in, he would just constantly use that as motivation. It's almost like the, 
that Navy SEAL guy, Jocko Wilnick, who constantly just says, I think I said this in the last podcast with Russell, just if, if something bad happens, you almost say, you almost look at it as a good thing because it just gives mm-hmm. you more motivation. Like, like you said, with the double bogey, it's great. Okay, I made a double bogey. Time to go make two birdies and offset it. Exactly. And I think that's what like so many people don't understand is they, they think that as the perfect round of golf, if they're going to go out there and shoot 63, that there's never going to be a bad thought. There's going to be a million bad thoughts, but you have to, you have to know that that bad thought is there, eliminate it. And for me, I tried to just, I tried to get in, I read a book called the power of now. So I tried to realize that I'm focusing on what's happening now. And if, you know, so many people are like, well, you never even seem nervous in that round. And it's like, I can assure you that I was nervous. I had all the bad thoughts, but the way that I did it was I didn't focus on the future. I didn't focus on the past. I only knew that there's one thing that I can do. And it sounds so easy to say and so easy to do is focus on one shot. But when you're actually only focused on that shot, like it becomes so much easier because you're, you're not focusing on, okay, if I miss this pot, I'm going to lose two grand. Or if I make this pot, I'm going to make an extra 1500 bucks. Whereas if you can just walk into the shot and say, okay, I'm going to go up here, give it my best shot, go through my routine and everything's going to fall into place. That's, I feel, I feel like that's when you can really tap into playing your best golf. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I find like that kind of, that's a, that's something that I don't think you just find like that mentality. It's something that you, you, you think about hypothesize on for a while then, and then try it and, and like make it your own. Like that's like your process is something that, or your pre-shot routine, whatever you want to call it. I always tell golfers and this is something that probably half of my work with my game on now is just about like practicing that process. So if I'm on the driving range, okay, might get my body loose, might do a couple of drills, but the rest of it is just, you know, simulating that on course feel. And then when I go to the course, it's just constantly, you know, every shot is the same trying to rehearse that pre-shot routine over and over and over again. It's just, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the first hole of a tournament or, you know, you're, you're hacking around with your buddies. It's that same sort of process you go through. And it could be, you know, something as simple as, taking a deep breath, uh, you know, firing at your target. Like it can be that simple. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Like I've really noticed that this year that when I've really started to work on my routine, whereas I was out there yesterday with the guys hadn't played in a week and I'm still so focused on, I, I, I can almost count the amount of steps I need to walk into my shot. I know my target, my, short range target has to be you know whatever three feet and I couldn't I can't just walk up and hit a ball like I used to I have to go through that whole motion and I feel like if if you're if you're doing the same thing over and over you're going to keep repeating the same process and doing the right things and inevitably that's only going to lead to better scores and better shots I think yeah definitely and you you know you make it your own so just kind of to go back like speaking about doing the right things when you're talking about like you know, maybe I might not, because I've been, I've been doing some reading on this that might say to the contrary of like, you know, Bryson's approach of like, I'm just going to hit driver everywhere. But in terms of like, you know, playing to the right side of the golf course, is it really more of like, Ralph would always say to me, like conservative, uh, what do we say, conservative targets, aggressive swings. So yeah. is that kind of the mentality that you're, you're taking to out there is to, you know, always be playing to the fat of the golf course and being aggressive or is it different? Uh, yeah. And I, I think, I think that I love that's, it's an interesting topic because I think it all depends on how you're playing. Like for me, when I'm, when I'm hitting it well, I can, I see my target and I don't have to like, like those, those field goal posts, they, they, they squeeze in really tight. 
But on a day that I'm off, like if I see water right and it's just rough on the left side of the green, like I will be 100%, I mean, left side of the fairway, I'll be 100% hitting my driver, my two iron or my three wood, starting it at that left side of the fairway. Because even if it goes into the rough, I know that I'm a good enough ball striker that I'll be able to get it up close to the green, assuming the rough isn't too crazy or too bad. But I think that's, that I find is so important. And I think so many people need to understand that we don't need to walk up to every single fairway, look down the middle and try and stripe it right down the middle. Mm. Like if it's, if there's a dog way right, and there's water right. And there's nothing left. Like there's nothing wrong with hitting it in that left rough, evaluating your lie and trying to make birdie from there or par at worst. Yeah. Whereas if you try and bite off more than you can chew, you hit a little fade there, you're dropping, you're making bogey. Maybe you hit another shot because you're pissed off that you hit in the water, you're making double. Mm-hmm. So I hundred percent think that for me that if I was if I had an un, if I if ever I'm uncomfortable I always try and work down I don't like hitting a lot of three woods so I'm a lot of like driver and two iron those are my two favorite clubs okay so if I'm not hitting my driver like I usually am I'll go straight down back down to the two iron and just hit a two iron in the fairway and I have no problem hitting a six iron into the green so you're always playing to where you're comfortable like that's that's the big thing yeah. is you never want to be over a shot. Well, you're going to, you're going to be overshot feeling comfortable, but you're going to try and limit that as much as possible. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's just trying to know your game. And I think it takes people a long time to understand what their game is. And like, you look at, like, I'm going to use Russell again. He hits a 265, 270, maybe 275, but he's never going to hit a shot that he knows he can't hit. If there's a Creek there at 270, he's going to, he's not going to try and get go over that or you got to play your own game and play to your own strengths i think so for a guy like bryson yeah sure hitting hitting his driver a mile and then hitting wedges in like that's 100 his game his brand and he's owning it mm-hmm. i don't think there's many people in the world that can do that but at the same time for me i feel like if you give me a six you give me a seven you give me an eight iron those are more of my scoring clubs and as long as i'm in the fairway i've got a good lie i think that's the most important thing yeah, I almost think that Bryson is. Uh, I, I really admire what he's doing, but I almost think he's going to do like unconsciously he's going to do a disservice to the game because there's going to be so many people out there that, you know, if they were already chasing distance, they're going to be chasing distance that much more and playing the, a golf that's not their brand of golf. Uh, like, yeah. I still think it's possible to to go out there and average two eighty to two ninety off the tee and win the Masters. Or like, you know, you look at Zach Johnson. I think, no, actually, yeah, Zach Johnson, when he won the Masters way back when, he didn't go for one par five, and he played, you know, he played to his strengths. Exactly, yeah, yeah. it's, I, I find that so important, and, and it's, you see, I see so much of it in mini tour golf, and I mean, I, I was guilty, guilty of it at times as well, and you're always trying to do more, so me, I hit my seven iron, like 185, and then I'd play with someone who hits their seven iron 195, and I'm like, okay, I got to I got to get my seven iron up over 190. And it's like, that's, you, you're, you're always trying to chase something that you think is going to make you better. And a lot of people don't understand about Bryson is one, he's a tank, he's a fridge and he can <laughs> rotate like crazy. Like he can rotate without moving his, um, barely moving his feet. I don't know if you saw that Instagram post he had in that slow mo, slow motion. Uh, video, oh yeah. His I've, feet, I've been analyzing uh, his swing lately. It's crazy what he can do. Exactly. And his feet aren't even moving. And I think that is so important to having a good neutral base and not, and staying grounded. 
Whereas you're going to get all these guys and all these people who don't understand that, you know, they're going to go put on 30 pounds, but then they're going to realize, oh shit, I can't rotate properly. I can't move my spine this way. My shoulders have gotten so big that they're, you know, my, all of my angles are different. And I, yeah, I understand he is, it could be a disservice to the game, but at the same time, he's doing it his way, his thing. And I just don't think that everyone needs to copy that brand of golf. Like, I don't know why people would look at Roy McIlroy and wouldn't say, okay, I want to have that rotation and that move and that tempo and do that. I think that's, it's prettier, it's better. And it's, I think a lot more consistent, but Bryson's a freak. And a lot of people don't seem to really understand that as much as I tell them. Everyone thinks he's going to change this game into, you know, world long drivers, world long drive guys are going to come out and start playing. It's like, well, world long drive guys cannot putt like you because you can putt, you can chip, you can do everything very well. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because it's an it's a big experiment he's going off of, and it's you know it's only he's only really eight months into this experiment. So you know if he shows up to Augusta in a couple of weeks and shoots twenty five under and you know completely blows away the field, then I think people are going to be looking at it a lot more seriously but it's just I think he's just you know I to me Bryson's a guy who's optimizing absolutely every piece of his game it's not like you you know you judge a book by its cover and see him getting bulked up and it's like oh yeah he's you know that's all he's doing but exactly you know, the interviews with Chris Como he's he's looking at every part of his game like he's not you know he's turning he's turning over every leaf and trying to tackle his weaknesses um, and I think that's where golfers can maybe get trapped as they they'll plateau and they won't really go to the part of their game where, you know, they're really struggling. Uh, Mike said, and my older brother said an interesting thing to me, and he's like, Cam, you, you're a great putter. You can work on your putting for the next six months and maybe, you know, get your scoring average from, let's say, like 74 to 73. Or you could, you know, work on nothing but your ball striking where you're only getting nine to 10 greens around and get it to 14 greens. And then you put your putter in your hand more. And then all of a sudden it's five to six shots. Your, your stroke average is down to 69, 68. So I think that's a big thing too, is like always constantly being in that. Cause it's a, you know, it's an, to me, I look at golf a lot like martial arts, like there's six or seven different disciplines wound into mm-hmm. one, and you always have to be looking at where is your Achilles heel? Like if I were, you know, and like, if I were a, you know, uh, a martial artist and my wrestling was poor, then I faced a wrestler, you'd get, you know, destroyed into the mat pretty quickly. And I don't think there's enough of that conversation in golf improvement. It's like, Oh, I just want to make my swing look pretty. And I, I grapple with that on a daily basis. Like people want to go right to the track man and put their driver on and see how fast their swing speed is, but they're making, you know, 38 putts around. (laughs) Exactly. Like, like, let's, you know, let's work on the things that are really holding you back. Mm -hmm. And, and I find like so many people like don't understand that, like you said, your Achilles heel, your, well, one day, one week, it could be, you know, you're putting and then, you know, maybe you go do some more putting ease off your chipping and your pitching and then the next month your Achilles heel is your chipping so it that's it, the crazy part about this game is that you can you can feel like you've mastered something or really improved on something and then at the same time another piece of your game and I think that's why it's the hardest game in the world but the other piece of the game just kind of falls apart not necessarily falls apart but once you start not emphasizing so much practice and effort on it it can totally things can change like that as we know yeah, definitely. That's that's the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around. <laughs> so I, I've, I've been thinking about this question and I wanted to ask you because I remember playing in junior tournaments against you growing up. You always seem to have the ability 
to take it deep or maybe not even take it deep but make a lot of birdies so where do you feel like that came from uh and like i always would look at your scorecard like oh five or six birdies like he's rattling them off and so you know where do you feel like that you know mentality able to make a lot of birdies came from I just i think it's just being i've always i've always been so competitive and i it, it is a problem is that i hate losing and I, like i was saying i could have <laughs> back in the day i was probably a bit of a sore loser and i i mean that time when i lose now even if i'm playing a you know 40 dollar game and i lose i'm pissed and i think that's the way it should be but the way I find just is to me, the, the way I learned it the best is that no matter what I make on a hole, the next hole, I'm trying to make birdie on the next hole. It doesn't matter what I've done before that. And it, I feel like so many people get capped off where maybe they only make four birdies and then, you know, you're, you're sitting at four under and your whole mentality changes where you start to, you know, ease off and maybe get a little bit scared. To me, I always felt like it was step on the pedal and honestly it was more and as a pro that i realized this it's like it doesn't matter what you did the hole before maybe you start you know you start out with three birdies to start you got to keep going and going and going and never never necessarily get so caught up in your score i never try and i always know what i'm at but i never try and focus on that i'm always trying to like i was saying just be in the moment and try and make as many birdies as i can and right. i feel like that comes from just thinking the right way you know how do I get this ball here how do I do that where do I want to put this putt because I feel like this year I really was able to make a lot more birdies because instead of just going at pins and you know hitting it you know five feet above the hole it's so much easier to make a birdie putt when you're hitting a 10 footer up the hill rather whereas if you're hitting a five foot slider and you're just trying to tap it down the hill yeah so I think I think making a lot of birdies and rattling them off is a ton to do with course management and putting the ball in the right place so once you can once you can control your ball, control your face, I feel like you and your path, obviously, and you have a, like a consistent pattern. You can start bringing that onto the golf course, doing it day in and day out, and then implementing that into course management. Yeah. Learning how the learning how the hole should be played. Like I would always, if I'm inside 100 yards and I'm playing in a tournament, I'm walking. I'll run straight up to the green. Look, okay, where do I need to put this right here? If we don't have yardage books. I'll look, okay, this is the best putt. Let's get it here. At worst, we're going to miss it here. And I think that's how you make a lot more birdies because if you're hitting a 10-footer downhill and you're hitting a 20-footer uphill, I think you got a lot better chances of having the uphill putt because you're a lot more aggressive. You don't have to have a tentative putting stroke. You don't have to be worried about the putt coming back. Now, will you will you take on a pin knowing you say like, okay, so say you have like a downhill uh, green and the pin's tucked on the left side and there's a bunker on the left and that – and being left of the pin gives you that uphill putt. Will you still, will you attack that pin and get it left of there towards trouble? Or are you like, is it, is it avoid the trouble first and then get the uphill putt? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I think for me, I'm even, I'm, I'm not even worried as much. Like if it, if you're, if it's working that way and let's say that it's really tight in the back left, like I would, I wouldn't be scared if it missed the green, if it shook it off the green and I just had a little chip back up the hill. So right. I, I, I mean, it doesn't always work, and I'm not going to say it always works for everybody, but for me, I really felt like I could tap into that this year. And it was a lot better for me this year, whereas years past, I feel like people that, you know, ran these tours in Ontario or ran these tours wherever I was playing all across North America didn't – they just kind of walked up to a green and stuck a pin in the middle of the green. Russell did such a good job with the Toronto Players Tour because he knows as a McKenzie Tour rules official he, how pins should be set up 
one, two, three, or one, two, three, four on every green. He can see it and he understands how pins should be set up so that if you go for a pin and you hit a shot that you think is great, but you hit on the wrong side of the hole, well, to me, you've made a mistake. Yeah. I feel like that's the way I kind of went about it where it really worked for me this year when I played that Corey event and I shot or yeah, at the Corey and I shot 65, 67 and I felt like I was beating the field, not with my ball striking, not with my putting, but with my decision-making. Like there was many times where I'd miss a green, but I would be totally fine. And guys, and, and those greens were rolling at like 14. So chipping up the hill there was so much easier than watching guys have 30 footers over the, you know, over the back of the green putting to the front and they're blowing at 12 feet, 15 feet by. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, you know, so fascinating. Uh, like I even, I remember watching Tiger the last round of uh, the Masters last year. And it was mm -hmm. actually, if you, if you go back and dissect his, uh, his ball striking, it was actually pretty boring golf. Like he was putting in, in the, but I, what he was doing was just putting in the right spot every time. And like the perfect example of that was on 12 par three and six, five of the six last guys put it in the water because they're going straight at that right pin. And he's exactly. 40 feet left at the pin. He's probably feeling nervous as shit but he just takes his medicine and, you know, he, that's where he won the tournament right there. And exactly. that, that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. And it, it that, and that's the thing, making the smart play and making a par on a hole can just completely change. Whereas like, that's a perfect example where the guys are going for that pin and they're just making a terrible number. Whereas tiger sees like, sees that middle of the green, he's got his little circle there and he just pounds it right in there. I don't need, he made par there, I think. Yeah, I think he parted. Yeah. Yeah. Got out of there and moved on and eventually win the tournament. Yeah. It's just, I find, especially on like tough holes, long holes, if you're ever uncomfortable, play away from the toughest shot that you're going to have. Like, don't feel like you got to birdie every hole and hit a five iron into a green, into a back right pin and carry it <laughs> over water or something. Like, take your medicine. And I find that the more that I take my medicine, the more 30 footers, 40 footers I make because it's so much less pressure on myself. Whereas if I, you know, I short side myself in a bunker shot, then you start getting really nervous thinking, okay, I got to get this up. I got to hit it perfect. I got to do that. I, I think it's just, it's such a better approach at playing. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Cause I've been tinkering a lot with my ball striking lately and watching a lot of the great ball strikers. And I see them hitting a lot of, a lot of three quarter hold off finishes. Like, are you more inclined to take more club and, and maybe like not like so say you hit your seven iron 180. Are you more inclined to maybe just hit your seven iron 170 for more control? Or do you, do you like to force your irons in there? Uh, I, for me, I love my, I, I like, I like my swing to a point where I just can hit a full, a full shot, but I find like, I love playing with no win. I feel like there's, there's not a whole lot of people that can beat me when there's no win because when I'm on, I can hit it. I feel like super close to the pin and hit it pretty straight day yeah. in and day out. But when it gets windy, I find that's when I completely change the way I play, especially if I'm into the wind. If I'm into the wind, I'm, you know, going one, two clubs down, choking up. I lo a lot of my shots, I'm choking up into the wind almost, you know, two inches away from the front of the grip because I just want to have that control. I want to get those hands ahead and have a nice smooth flight and keep it low. Cause as soon as you start hitting balls high into the wind, you're just playing a, a, a game where you're going to get slaughtered. Like for example, I went to uh, uh, European Tour Q school in England and I was hitting it 
twice as high as I do right now. It was like, it was straight. It was, you know, a high draw, but I got there and it was blowing 75K, 85K after <laughs> there was like a, uh, a storm. And I got, I, I literally got the shit beat out of me. And I went home after that. And I thought, you know, I won that tournament in Quebec. I won 30 grand like two, two, three weeks before. And I thought my game's ready for, you know, the PGA tour. And I went and played with some guy from England. He was ranked like 400th in the world. And he just cleaned my clock because he hit it, you know, so low control, get, got it on the green, got in the right spot. And I was just like, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not even in the right league. And now I feel like I really, and I think that's really important. What I was saying to Russell is you need to learn not, you need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. Mm. It doesn't matter. Not, not necessarily a tournament, but you need to, play with like in that instance i played with someone and i was like okay i need to change my game what i'm doing is not going to hold up especially if there's win so i feel like for me that was a loss and i you have to always take your losses and you know swallow that pill and just say hey we need to move on we need to focus on this and then i had a completely different game plan to the way i was going to play and it took me a while to you know it's not easy to start hitting it extremely high and landing them in soft to hitting them low with a whole lot less spin and letting them kind of tumble out. So I feel like it takes a while, but you got to take your bumps and bruises along the road and do the right thing and figure it out. Yeah. That's, I think that's really wise of you to say uh, to me, there's so much, so many guys out there that are super talented. I think it's just, they don't have the, the awareness that they want, that they need to be able to get to the next level. Cause it takes awareness to understand, like if you didn't have the awareness there to understand like, okay, I need to learn how to play the low game or whatever the learning lesson was, then you might not have made that adjustment. Like for me, when I was playing growing up, I kind of did everything to validate, you know, the people like to, to make me feel validated to the people around me where I, I, the approach really is like doing it to learn different parts of the game. So when you get in that situation that could expose you, you're not exposed. Exactly. There's always going to come that moment where like, there's no hiding in golf <laughs> and it's just like life too, right? There's no hiding, uh, you know, your bad habits. Exactly. Uh, you can't fake it. Yeah, no, you can't fake it. Exactly. Hey, guys, so thank you so much for listening to the show this week. That's a wrap. Uh, next week, we're probably going to be doing a solo podcast, just talking about some of the learnings that I've been going through studying the ancient uh, greats of the game. Again, if you're looking to be a part of that mentorship, direct message us on Instagram at Lancaster Golf Performance, or you can email us at LancasterGolfAcademy at gmail.com. If you're looking for in-person lessons, if you're close to the Toronto area, then please email us about that as well too. We coach on TrackMan at the Golfers Academy in Burlington. It really is a world-class facility where you're going to get so much for your game as we go into the off-season. If you have any questions for me, message us as well too, and happy golfing.